and they were trying to spell the word congratulations, but they forgot some oh. letters, so it just said congratulations. And I feel like that's what we get when we like try. Hello, and welcome to Better Than Boys, a podcast highlighting strong, smart, and creative individuals outside the patriarchy. I am Ryan. You know me. You love me. It's going to be a great time today. Hit it, Chloe. Okay. So welcome, of course, to our podcast. We always start each episode with a little bit of a disclaimer. So first of all, we want to point out, we love our title, but we also love men. Love them. We love men. Mm. And in this context, when we say better than boys, what we really mean is what is in your life or has been in your life that just gets in the way of your bliss and what makes you truly happy. Anything you let just jump right in front of your goals and rip you off track. That's what we mean in this podcast is better than boys. You just want to break through it. You know just want to break through break it. Break it down. Uh, as I said, I'm Ryan. We are joined with Chloe, and our guest today is the lovely, gentle musician, queer, kind, only nice person on Twitter, James Kennedy. <laughs> hey, James. Hello. Hi. Hi, Ryan. Hi, Chloe. Hi, James. So, Jamesy, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, my goodness. Um, I Like you said, I am the nicest person on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I'm not take that, Twitter. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I, I am a playwright and composer. I have been in New York for about five years, which is crazy. Congrats. Uh, thank you. I know milestones. <laughs> I'm still hanging on. Um, yeah, and I, I try to be kind and smart and creative uh with you very kind and smart and creative. success oh, for you. You. Yeah. you i just get to sit in this room and be complimented today. <laughs> it's really fun because he's he's wearing a onesie but it's a professional onesie you know <laughs> yeah it's cashmere <laughs> nothing like a cashmere nothing like a cashmere <laughs> that's what onesie. i always say <laughs> really but cool 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 yeah so as you might have already heard we have an central question of this podcast the pivotal question of the podcast just gets us rolling let's get pivotal let's get pivotal let's, let's get pivotal pivot ryan <laughs> just trying to turn back and forth pivotal. oh thank you thank you for doing that Anytime. anyway our question is when was the first time you realized something in your life was better than a boy when I was young, like I, I never really was boy crazy yeah. uh, in the way that I think, so I've been told a lot of people are. Ryan and I don't know anything about that. <laughs> Could you elaborate? Yeah, yeah. What does uh, that mean exactly? So do this thing called being boy crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, when when I was young and, and both as a kid and then as like a, a tween and then a teen, like I, I just... I didn't uh, feel like boys would be very interested in me, but I think because of that, I I sort of wouldn't allow myself to be interested in boys. But I was I was always smart and I worked hard. Like I I was good yeah. at school. School made sense to me. Um, like I was able to to make friends by like helping people with homework or like letting them copy off of me or whatever. And, and so like that was what I I focused on and like derived all of my personal joy and satisfaction out of yeah um 
And so I didn't like really start like considering boys until college and thereafter and then like have have known wonderful boys like we all have and I've known just boys where I'm like you know our our gay ancestors did not fight for our liberation so you could ignore my text like I don't don't get it Um, but you know and and so I don't know that it was the narrative was like oh boy crazy and then found something else like I think yeah um I think there have always been things that have have brought me so much joy and happiness that are are not men yeah um yeah I I think in a lot of ways for me it's like the flip side of it it's about learning how to create space in my life and, and in my heart and spirit for boys who are wonderful, the the boys who earn it, um, yeah. I just fell in love with James. <laughs> I was about to say the same thing. Yeah, I was going to say, well, first of all, all I've ever wanted to do is see the movie about adorable tween James yeah. because my heart literally broke into five million pieces describing that inevitably oh. adorable version of yourself. Such a um, cute Pixar. Oh my it god! Should, it would be yeah, Pixar it would, be an unbearable would accurately Pixar. capture the awkwardness of, of oh, me. Oh, it just sounds like you're the sweetest bean. It's such a relatable thing. Um, I was listening to Brene Brown's uh, oh, Netflix yes. special. Anyone? Oh, Brene yes. Brown, Killing the Game. I have seen Wine Country. That's about it. Okay, well, mm-hmm. uh, she adjacently released her special into Netflix. I think there might have been a correlation there in the mm-hmm. timing. Either way, it's all about shame and vulnerability and blah, blah, blah. And she had this line uh, that I didn't know how I felt about. She was saying, show me a woman who feels like... Uh, ashamed or the need to kind of like hide or edit oneself around their significant other and also show you a woman who's like not fully uh, deriving value from just herself like she's deriving Mm -hmm. value from the other individual so her narrative is talking about like the women that she mostly interacts with that are like rebuilding Mm self-confidence after starting off in a place of you know um, lacking or whatever because we're always shaping our value around the men that we are around sure so it's kind of cool that like just here a couple days later you're putting out there this idea of like well i didn't really have that space from a young age so it was about growing in these other areas and those other passions and then creating that openness in your heart later down the line. I don't know. I just think that's a really kind of, even though it sounds like kind of what you're describing is a little bit of a, of a shy, like introverts journey into uh, finding their passions. I don't know Mm -hmm. if that's like what you relate to from a young age. Um, You know, I think it's uh, inspiring that, you like started off on your like musical journey or whatever from not basing everything around dating or catching yeah. someone's eye or impressing somebody else or whatever. Well, I feel like we make these decisions when we're like 13 or 14 about what the story of our lives are going to be. Totally. And I also just, Brene like, Brown topic. Yeah, right? <laughs> Super topical. Oh my goodness, Brene, like call me. We have so much to discuss. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I think, and, and so when I was 14, I was like, no, I'm not going to have that like high school romance journey. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe I could have if I had been more open-minded, but right. I... And so uh, stubbornly independent. And so I was like, this is just not the path that I'm going to embark on. And instead, it's going to be a path of working really hard and, and figuring out what kind of artist I want to be and what kind of work I want to make and, and mm-hmm. nurturing that instead. And I think sort of what you were talking about, I think, as we get a little bit older, 
at first there was a part of me that felt like, oh, I am too full. There's mm-hmm. not enough space mm-hmm. uh, in my life, uh, in my heart for these other things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to like get rid of something or sacrifice something. And, and right. upon further reflection, I actually don't think that's the case. I think, you know, we can like add as many rooms to the house that is our heart as we want to. I think I'm thinking aloud here. And so I I don't say this with any like confidence of a personal experience, but I think, you know, it's, it's not about sacrificing or about, you know, the, it's not like, Oh, if we want to have space on the plate for this food item, we have to like get rid of this other thing. I think it's about, oh no, we are are constantly expanding and evolving. And so, um, and I think for me, one of the things that I think about a lot is the journey of getting older is almost like rediscovering and being reintroduced to ourselves. Um, and, and I think the challenge is to learn how to get excited about that. Um, and so it's like, oh, I, I haven't, found my soulmate by this point. I don't know if I'm going to find my soulmate in the next, you know, two, five, 10, 20 years, but like being excited about the unknown and the possibility of like the ways in which we will expand to let new people in our lives or new things or new passions or new sources of joy in our lives. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love, I love everything about how you worded that. I thought I have no words. Ryan's like, like having an emotional I'm reaction. Like, I can oh, see it all over his face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I spent a lot of money on therapy to where I could have just asked my friend James like, a simple question. <laughs> about microphone. houses and hearts and rooms. He just <laughs> knew. Uh, what a time. No, it's, I mean, and it's also being young and gay at the time that we grew up back in the Stone Ages. Yes, Not even course. really that long ago. But, like, you didn't really have the, the space even to have, like, the, this is my, like, kindergarten boyfriend kind of thing you For know sure. I mean? like it's like it already has the sense of secret in yes thing that, yeah, yeah like why not better yourself if you're i guess avoiding but avoiding in like a good way <laughs> maybe that's what i've always heard is if you're gonna avoid something avoid it in the good way <laughs> if you're gonna avoid something do it full out you know what i mean <laughs> you like, james kennedy he avoided it <laughs> Oh, that, that's, uh, that's, that's good. That's a great one. Yeah, I like that. That's a quotable. Um, okay, so my my knowledge, James, of, of kind of your life is obviously through Ryan, and through Ryan, I know that you're this like musical extraordinaire. Uh, and then recently, <laughs> you helped Ryan and, and produce Snack, and uh, and you were a part of that. And I think yeah. that's amazing. But what was your? I mean, we can talk about literally anything under the sun you want to talk about. But I mean, my curiosity is like, what was your journey to music? How did you end up in that place where oh you're in New York working in a musical way with yeah, people? Yeah, I don't even really know. I mean, I started taking piano lessons when I was about six years old. Oh my gosh, um, where be? Yeah, I was. I was really, really young, and um, mm-hmm. you know, I I was like a, a theater kid. I was already performing in shows uh-huh. at that point. Um, and I asked my parents for piano lessons. I don't know mm. where the desire to learn piano came from. I don't know why that was the instrument that I was drawn to, but it was. And, um, you know, the the first piano teacher I had was the local music director for a lot of the musicals that we were doing. And he was wonderful. And, and I think he, I didn't know this at the time, but my parents have since told me that he basically informed them 
that he could tell that music was never going to be my first passion, that it was always going to be theater, um, and that music would sort of be this second thing that I was interested in, and that that was okay from his perspective. And so he was never going to push me on the conservatory route. Um, Like, he was never going to try and make it the thing that I did. And so I took piano lessons uh, until I was 18 years old, until my senior year of college. And, mm-hmm. and even then, I think, you know, I when I think back on, on my journey with piano, like I, I do sort of feel like I plateaued in a way because I reached mm-hmm. this point that I think a lot of musicians can relate to where if you want to get better, you have to start putting more time into it. Yeah. Um, you know, and just practicing an hour a day and just going to lessons like once a week is no longer going to take your skill level to a higher degree. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was really tough at the time because I was so used to like constantly getting better and constantly improving. And, and my piano teacher at the time, who was a different teacher, was like, well, if you want to you know, learn this Rachmaninoff concerto, like you have to practice at least three hours a day and like, you know, take lessons twice a week. And, and I was like, oh, I, I love this, but I don't love it that much. I don't rock Mononoff love it. Yeah, <laughs> yes, I don't rock Mononoff love it. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, and I was I was doing theater, and then I, I had sort of decided that I wasn't going to be a performance major in college, and so I went to college for directing. And, and music was sort of like the side door through which I got opportunity because Emerson doesn't oh, nice. have um, a music program. And so I was really one of the only yeah. students there who could play piano, uh, who could accompany, who could music direct, who could compose. Um, so sort of right out the gate as a freshman, it was getting me all mm-hmm. these opportunities that other students weren't getting just because there was no one else there to do it. Totally. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, and I was a directing major and then sort of started writing by accident. Um, but once I got into it, it was it was sort of a slow burning epiphany for me, um, which is one of the things that I, I work with college students a lot now. And one of the things that I talk with them about is like finding that thing that you love enough to want to work really hard to get good at. Mm. Um, what do you, Rachmaninoff, mm. yeah, love? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to like steal that phrase yeah, and that's your call for every time it's I use it. It's very likely the name of the episode, so Great. we're good. Oh, <laughs> it's already written. We'll, we'll copyright it back Excellent. To you. <laughs> you know, but it is that thing of like, what do you, Rachmaninoff, love? Where you're going to uh, put in the time and, and be nerdy about it yeah. and like really want to commit yourself. And, and it took you know, until I was about 21, 22 to sort of realize that writing was that thing. And I miss performing Aww. sometimes and I miss directing sometimes, but really it's it's writing. And so, you know, ever since then, I, I am mostly writing plays and musicals and operas and, you know, all kinds of crazy things. Um, and that's really been my jam. Oh, right that's now. amazing. <laughs> I'm just going to, like, humble brag for James for a minute. Humble um, brag for James. He writes for children a lot with children a lot i do yeah he writes full-on plays he <laughs> then just writes an opera oh um, my gosh like, multi-hyphenate within just i could i could write like maybe five paragraphs about me and specifically me and that's about it you know what I mean? <laughs> like you're writing that one act one person show oh yeah <laughs> Which is phenomenal. Yeah, wit, like it's wit is a great play. Oh, yeah. and we're gonna have to see that play. We're gonna drink at that play. It's yeah. gonna be fun. We're gonna drink with you at that play. Yeah. 
No, I'm a, I'm very much a, like whatever you're hiring, I will try and, and deliver. I love that. Well, and I think that moves us perfectly. Another pivot. We're gonna pivot. Pivoting. We're gonna be pivotal. Pivoting. Our next Pivoting. pivotal question, uh, which is yeah. I mean, what are what are you working on now? Where do you find yourself? That's really meaty. Or you know, what do you have coming up? Um, it's, this also, by the way, just disclaimer again, doesn't have to be a specific thing with dates or whatever. Like with Lisa, we were talking about kind of like ideas, like what are you, what's, yeah. what's haunting you right now or what's your muse? That's right a now? great question. Well, I, I was very, 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 very lucky. Um, in that I had two different productions of two different projects at the very beginning of 2019, um, which doesn't happen and and won't happen again. And I was aware Mm. the whole time of of how lucky it was. Mm. Um, But, you know, so I had this opera go up in January and then a musical Mm. project go up in March. Um, And because of that, I spent, you know, the past nine months being in constant revision mode and like making changes and like orchestrating things and revising things and all of that stuff and so I I was very much living that life and now I'm back in the open canvas like blank page oh, fun. Uh, chapter oh, fun. Um, which is really really exciting and really really overwhelming um, but so you know I, I'm not really working on anything that is going to have any Im- immediate returns mm-hmm. which is, I actually am at peace with like yeah. I think you know, my family's constantly like, when's the next thing we can come see? And I'm like, well, maybe in a year and a half. Like, I, I just... <laughs> These I have things to have a Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I do, and, and circling back to that thing about, like, what do you rock on and off love? Like, I do enjoy putting in the time every day on something where I'm not actually going to see progress in any kind of objective way. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm... I'm in the early stages of a couple of different things, like I'm working on some some musically things, um, you know, not to do that whole like I can't talk about it. You oh, know, I um, love a good that, I can't talk about it. Do. do it. But there there are a couple of things that um, which is really exciting, and I think it's you know the flip side of it is like I can't talk about it just because of the potential collaborators and like the yeah. early ideas like it's it's not like an ego boost kind of thing but it's a like oh i don't want to jinx it oh totally um, yeah you know that, in the sense of like oh i, of I worry that if i say too much then like it'll be taken mm-hmm. from me um but i am the the one thing that i am working on that i am really excited about um is i'm working on this play that is a two-person adaptation of little women um, but it's a, a two-person adaptation that's um, just about Joe and Lori, uh-huh. and it's all about the, the sort of question of the adaptation is what would have happened in the story of their friendship if they had both been openly queer yeah. um, people? Because I love Little Women, I love the films, I love the musical, I love the novel, I think the novel is brilliant, uh-huh. um, but the part that always sort of I, I wrestle with is the moment when he proposes, and, and yeah. this question of like, their friendship he he sort of forces their friendship love to evolve into romantic love and right. and i i don't necessarily think that that's there and so i've i've always you know identified with Lori in a, a way that feels particularly gay mm-hmm. um and i know there's been lots of scholarly interpretations of joe march as sort of a, a lesbian character and, mm-hmm. and these sort of um lesbian themes in Louisa May Alcott's own life and so I've had this idea for a while about exploring their friendship of like Mm -hmm. you know what it is like to 
have a friendship with other queer people who are not the same gender identity as you, who are not necessarily part of the same queer community as you. I mm-hmm. think there hasn't been a lot of creative exploration of the similarities and sort of contentions between the gay male community and the lesbian community. Right. Um, which have overlapped in, in really beautiful ways. And I think there have been some some challenging emotions there as well. Um, and so wanting to turn that into a piece that's just about them um, and their friendship. And so uh, I'm working on that play and uh, it is a particular source of pride for me to share that that play is being made possible uh, through funding from the Queen's Arts Council. So that's your New York State tax dollars at oh, work oh. helping to fund this gay play. Uh, <laughs> that's right, Thanks, New York. New York. Uh, yeah, but that that's the thing. Um, that's something that I'm working on. I think, you know, I am I'm really just fascinated by friendship as yeah. a, a narrative. And I think, you know, I was on the train coming to meet up with you guys and mm. the sort of question of like, what do I think is better than boys? And and I'm at a point in my life right now where I really do think friendship is is better than boys. And it doesn't have to be for everybody, but when I look back at my own life, like I I know the many instances in which my life has been radically transformed for the better by friendship yeah. in a way that I don't think it's ever been transformed. I don't think romance has ever transformed mm-hmm. my life for the mm-hmm. better in the same degree that friendship has. Um, and I am thrilled for the people for whom that is the case, but that's just not something that at this point in time I can relate to. And so digging into the profound and meaningful friendships in my life um, and also thinking about the kinds of queer narratives we yeah. see out there that I think, you know, when I, to, to loop back to some of the things I was talking about earlier, like when I think about myself at 13 or 14 and, and feeling like, oh, I don't feel romantically inclined, so that's just not my story. I think maybe if I had seen stories about friendship between queer people, it would have been a source of comfort um, yeah. in a really meaningful yeah, way. And so... Now it's about, like, when I think about the different projects that I'm working on, and, and I didn't, like, expressly set out to say, like, oh, I'm only working on projects about queer people, but it just sort of organically happened because those are mm-hmm. the stories that are weighing on my mind. Yeah. Um, like, there's not a lot of romance in them. They're almost all about friendship and, and maturity and how we grow up together and how we relate to each other. Um, it, just because I think... You know, when I look back at sort of the quote canon, which is a, a very sort of heated word, but mm-hmm. of LGBTQAI literature and, mm-hmm. and stories out there, so much of it is based on romance um, and identity and the connections between romance and identity. And uh, I think there is a missing link of mm-hmm. um, the friendships between queer people and non-queer people, the friendships between different kinds of queer people, um, you know, and, and these sort of uh, deep, private, meaningful connections um, that are not necessarily romantic in nature. And so um, those are things that have just been on my mind, and I, I am seeing a lot of that turn up in my writing in ways that I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And then in lots of ways where I'm like, ooh, like, where did that come from? <laughs> like, what is right. this? What is this? Like, <laughs> vulnerable moment. Am I like, 
oh yeah, like I haven't explored this, and clearly I have some thoughts. <laughs> we are having feelings yeah, in our cashmere oh, jumpsuit. Boy, yeah, um, this this cashmere professional adult jumpsuit that I yeah. I wear when I pretend to be a grown up. I could literally talk to you about this for about a million years because I have so many thoughts on this exact <laughs> topic. I mean, just the idea of friendship is such a level of intimacy mm-hmm. that we don't explore that often outlasts our relationships, sure. our romantic relationships oh, yeah. in our lives. Mm-hmm. You know, the way that we raise each other as friends, the way that friendships morph into all kinds of love and relationships and mm-hmm. mimic so much unconditional love and then at the same time can be so fall so short in, sure. in some moments. And I, I love the idea of... of Everything that you're doing, not just because it's Little Women, uh, <laughs> but I rock Mononoff love. Oh my goodness. I rock Mononoff love that. that I mean, I would so love to have it. you back and really just delve into that idea and see as you dig more like intellectually yeah. into it. Let's do it, it, man. Please, because I, yeah. so much of, of my work is alone, which I love. Like, I, yeah. I love the sort of, like, one of the things I love about playwriting is that I get to be solitary when I'm writing, and then totally. I also get to be in a very social space of a rehearsal room when we're, like, yep. fixing things and building things. Um, but, you know, I, I'm in a place right now where I'm exploring so much of these ideas by myself, and so I'm very hungry to talk about it with oh, people. Please um, do. You know, because, like, what you were saying, I think it's making me think about the fact in so much of our theater and musical theater especially like Mm -hmm. the leads are are romantic and the friends are the supporting characters Mm -hmm. and i'm kind of like well what if the the relationship between the ingenue and the friend is actually like the story totally and it's not the the featured actor featured actress like character part right right exactly you don't have to choose in a plot it's one or the other it can be yeah these things can support each other in a big way i think that's yeah i really really love that or like I, how many yeah. how many shows, movies, whatever you, maybe just me because I tend to watch things about um, divorces <laughs> and or trolls. Um, but it's well, like okay, so it starts with like heartbreak, and then you like go back to your friends, and then they have mm-hmm. this moment where they're like, "Well, we stopped talking for years. Why don't we stop talking for like?" And I identify with James in that most of the important relationships in my life have been non-romantic sure. have been mm-hmm. deep deep love with friends yeah, I think that's the case for so many people yeah. yeah so like why aren't there more plays books TV shows musicals yeah absolutely this? and oftentimes I mean I will say like in my purview like they'll people love putting out a good like gal friend movie yeah. but it's often you know we, it's, it's rare that we get a really really good one that truly represents female friendships like I was watching Divine Secrets of the Yaya Sisterhood yes. the other day and on the contrary that I felt I always have felt so much relationship to the way that those women interact yes. the way that they interact with their friend's daughter like mm-hmm. they hit so many layers so we want to do like a whole b-roll series that we that we're going to be releasing on the patreon when we release the patreon in a few months amazing this is exactly the kind of conversations like super intellectually indulgent yeah. crap that we want oh, to yeah. talk we'll about like and dive into. we'll we'll go for hours yeah. yeah I really think that would be awesome but I do know because we we are on a time crunch, a, a oh schedule that Ryan has something very important to so, discuss with you. Oh and so I would just like love to turn it over to Ryan, who's our um, game master. So as we all just agreed. My heart. Oh, honey, <laughs> Never. Anytime you want to get married, we can do it. 
so came in we... here to talk about friendship. I didn't put the ring on my Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fully engaged. Anything can happen on this podcast, guys. New, Anything. New theory. Nothing's better than boys. Nothing's better than boys. <laughs> Goodbye. All right. But um, because we do love love boys so much, and finding a soulmate would be nice. We're about to do a delightful. BuzzFeed quiz. Great. Mm. To reveal who your celebrity soulmate Great. is. Alrighty, James. Where's your dream vacation? Paris, Barcelona, Rome, or London? Uh, uh, today I'm going to say Paris. Paris. Pick an animal. Cat, goat, bunny, or dog? Oh, dog. What do you always order at Starbucks? Always. Hot chocolate? <laughs> Caramel iced coffee, vanilla bean frappuccino, chai tea latte. I don't know why coffee is oh not an option. I was going to say, none of it, like, I'm, I'm such a straight up coffee drinker. Yeah. Uh, Did I'm you mean vanilla say... bean frappuccino, James? Is that what you were? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, do, I do love a good vanilla bean frappuccino. No. Always. Hot July day. And you always oh. order it. Yeah. Pick a color. Yellow, red, pink, or blue? Uh, blue. Ooh, so nice. What is the most iconic clothing brand? Objectively. Vans, Gucci, Louis Vuitton, or Calvin Klein? I, shout out, my younger brother works at the Vans store. <gasps> Love him. Oh my gosh, that was my dark horse so guess. I'm going to say Vans. My barometer for picking these answers is not coming. I in love that. As deep as the most iconic. What is your favorite meal? Pizza, tacos, sushi, or pasta? Uh, tacos. Yes. Mm-hmm. Pick a sport. <laughs> Ice hockey, skateboarding, soccer, or lacrosse? Oh, soccer. Mm-hmm. Mm. You've all seen what soccer players look like. Oh, God. Mm. Dreams. Pick a random number out of these four numbers. Pick 60, a random 25, limited 25, number. 25, 47, or 89? Uh, I'm going to say 47 because I'm going to be living my best divorcee life. Oh, God I'm bless you. What's your favorite ice cream flavor as a kid? Mint chocolate chip, vanilla, caramel, or chocolate? Mint chocolate chip. Mm-hmm. And what was your go-to ice cream topping? Nothing. Cherries, hot fudge, or sprinkles? Uh, hot fudge. Oh my gosh, your oh celebrity soulmate is Michael B. Jordan. Uh, Congrats, you got the sexiest man alive. Michael B. Jordan is cute, hot, and has the body of a freaking god. Good for you. I would oh like to my let gosh. the listeners at home know that when it says good for you, it's the letter U. It's not <laughs> the full word And you. that's yep. what happens yep. when you let go a lot of, of a lot it's of fairy true. tales. It's true. It's true. This is what you get. Um, I am thrilled Mm-hmm. Um, oh. I would like to thank so mm-hmm. many people oh. that they're gonna play the music. Mostly Michael B. Jordan. Mostly Michael B. Jordan mostly. for existing. Ooh, yeah, this is this is great. It's an honor. This and it's is also so satisfying. It's also, it's also an honor to have you here. <laughs> it's an honor to be here. We rock Mononoff love you. Oh my goodness. I Thanks rock Mononoff love the both oh. of you. I rock Mononoff love this podcast. I think I just am, am thrilled to be living in a time. There are so many dark things in yes. this day and age that we live in, but it's also the age of everybody making shit. And yeah. I love that. I love that all of our friends are just making things. And so kudos yeah. to you guys for making something. Hey, and kudos to you, man. For, kudos for back and forth and all around. Jamesy, where can the where can the fans find you? Um, what street uh, corner you work on? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I live in Queens. Shout out to Queens. Um, but if you want to follow me, not IRL, 
Um, my Twitter and Instagram handle, I love both Twitter and Instagram. Uh, it's at James Hollett. That's James, H-O-L-O-D. Um, it's the same for both of those. And my website is www.jameshkennedy.com. So if you want to produce some plays and or musicals and or opera, um, slash if you want to make this uh, Little Women adaptation happen at a theater near you, uh, please get in touch. And if you want to follow yes. me in real life, like, well, we'll just have to wait around and see. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so you heard it here first. He's open to in real life following. <laughs> That's no, that is not. I like to strike that from the record. <laughs> and as always, you can follow us on Twitter at bpodcastbt, on the Insta at Better Than Boys Pod, or you can full on email us at Better Than Boys Podcast at gmail dot com. Bring up everyone's doing email. Everyone's doing, doing it. Emails, guys. Thanks for tuning in, James. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. you guys are better than boys. Uh, we are. We are. Bye. Bye.